Karen. What's happening, Christy? Oh, not a lot. Tell me some things about work this week. You know, work's been actually really good. I've been doing a lot of literacy projects lately, and so I get to talk to people all over the country about their literacy models, awesome. and I gotta get to deep dive and do Important audits. work. And obviously, that has me thinking about Just Right Reader. Well, duh. <laughs> We're talking about important work. Well, so all these districts that I'm working with, they all have different curriculums, and um, I, I look at the effectiveness of those curriculums, and ultimately, Just Right Reader goes with any of them. Like, any curriculum. Yeah, you can have any scope and sequence, and it's such a perfect supplementary resource to make sure that you have kids like actually reading text at their decodable skill level. Right, and what I love about um, Just Right Reader is that it's really easy for teachers to figure out which yes. kids need which books. Yes. They're they're labeled on the back. They're color-coded. Yes. Like, it is brilliant. So no matter what you're using, you know what vowel patterns your kids are working on or what consonant blends yep. or digraphs or diphthongs, whatever. <laughs> and you you just, know to grab purple or green yep, or red. And you grab them and you start giving kids authentic practice. Yep. And so if you're listening right now and you still need decodable text and you don't have true decodables, we're not talking leveled text here. We're talking nope. decodable text. If you need them, please, please reach out to justrightreader.com. Yeah, request your sample today. Yeah, you can request a sample. And don't forget to tell them that the modern principle sent you. It's a little drop down. You say, (laughs) How'd you find out? And you pull down the modern principle. Hey everyone, this is Karen, and in a few minutes you're going to meet Christy, and we are the Modern Principal. We are just two enthusiastic educators with over 30 years of combined experience and leadership roles. We like to make our pod short, sweet, and simple, right to the point. A bite-sized bit of PD you can tackle to or from your drive to school each day. This week, we are talking all about what to do when students have extreme behaviors. Now, we really have to keep this pod under 13 minutes. because we've got exciting things coming up. We do. We have some guests that we have to record for a second pod. So our witty banter has to be short, sweet, simple, to the point. It might be, though, the pod that we released. I know it might be the pod that we released before this, though. Oh, okay. So whatever you listened to before this, wasn't it great? (laughs) Guys, Christy and I, this is our witty banter. So we wanted to make this video for our website. Okay. A, um, a trailer of sorts for, for our, our podcast. podcast. <laughs> so we both mentally knew that we were doing this. I, however, decided, okay, let's keep in mind, we had a group meeting at 7 a.m. on a Saturday before yep, class school. at 9 that goes till 5. So my outfit, even though I knew I would be on film. Was not your best look. Less than desirable, as was <laughs> my hair, my makeup, and whatever angle we chose to record. <laughs> whole lunch. An hour. An hour. Making this trailer. And how much of it is usable? Almost zero. The wind was so loud. We thought we were just being so artsy, bro. We were like, <laughs> we were like over here, like, oh, give we're me doing- your- I'm going to pretend I'm talking to the looking over here, and I was like, I'm going to pretend that trash can is like a real interviewer. Mm-hmm. We... Like we I'm going to have to show, show we some should clips. Re- we should release a snippet. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. And we spent an entire hour. And how long did you spend editing that? Oh, probably two or three. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's It was a huge waste of life. And mostly I just couldn't get over how bad I looked. You looked great. You were lying and your voice was nine octaves higher just now. Okay, let's move back to the point. Okay, we got to get going and we, we have our... We got to get brave. We got to get bold. Isn't that we got to get wiser. Yeah. <laughs> got to get hard. Cool. You got to get tough. Okay, we do have to get tough because from Swimming in San Diego, she says, We are struggling with huge behaviors this year. Struggling. 
Can you help? I mean, I know you can't staff us more, but my team is drowning and I don't know where to start. Advice? Again, swimming in San Diego. Beautiful advice. Also, I do wish we could staff everyone more. I do too. I think that, you know, um, I hate the research that, like, staff to student ratio and, like, class size doesn't matter, supposedly. I think sometimes that that data and that research is, like, weaponized. I think it is, Because um, I think that anyone who has taught a class of 10 versus 27 (laughs) can attest to what... even 16 versus 27. (laughs) Right. Like, anyone can attest to, like, what that does. It's also just... like, pure odds that if you double your class mm-hmm. size, you're going to have more behaviors. Absolutely. Like you're literally going to have more. Yeah. We, um, we're doing a whole month on behaviors, and so we're going to try today to break this down into more of planning for extreme behaviors. Yes. So and that's the topic this week. And we had a lot of trouble dwindling it down. It's oh, yeah. It's something that we're both really passionate about. Right. And um, we both feel that we're pretty good at. Yes. To, to lend a little... Credibility. I was a AP for three years before mm-hmm. I became a head principal. And you know, if you're an AP, all you do is behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a pretty like challenging. And school. I, my credibility is that I got to watch Garen yeah, yes. do behavior. <laughs> yes. I also started in a school district that didn't have a lot of extra supports. We didn't have a recovery room. We right. didn't have a social worker, counselor. So literally, like, when I started, if kids had behaviors, I kept them in my room and I figured it out. Yep. So I think I just, like, I'm very passionate about this because I just know that the work can be done. It, it can just be does done. require a lot. Yep. A lot. And if you can be a supportive principal, you will be more likely to be able to have those teachers in your building because right. you'll be able to coach them up, train them up. So today we're really talking about kind of that tier three side and how to go about planning right. for a student that has tier three behaviors. Okay, so let's jump right in. Chrissy Samskala. There's tons. There's guys. so much. And like I didn't even cite it because Literally. I don't know where the original research comes from because like every behavior expert ever, like kind of refers to the same stuff. Right. So obviously we have kind of our number one thing and we both believe in the function of behavior, right? So we know that all behavior has a function or a reason that it's occurring. I kind of like to think of the scholar and I think the research that you did was very much on the brain behind it, like the science of behavior. There's also that art of behavior. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean just like how you execute a plan, but I, I mean like understanding the brain so yeah. really digging into not just um, like the repetitive things that we'll talk about, but really understanding trauma and its mm-hmm. impact on the brain, really understanding how you as a person responding to behavior has your you own You bring your happening. own. Yeah, you have stuff going on in your brain too. Right. And the development um, and the different parts of the brain that these behaviors happen. Like there, we're going to talk to you more about the science part, but that art part could take years of pods oh yeah i mean we don't even feel yeah super strong in just doing one pod on this so right (laughs) because there's obviously huge experts who but as you start to like work with behavior with your team you need to cover all of those pieces yeah so the scientific piece that we're going to talk about today but also like how trauma plays into students Mm -hmm. how the brain stem and and the different parts of the brain play into it you need to know all of that and make your team experts yes So first thing you need to make yourself and your team an expert on is the function. That's one thing that you can go for to make sure that you know all of the reasons that a behavior might occur with a child. For sure. Um, And sometimes that can be tricky. 
Yeah. So, because <laughs> sometimes, you know, I think the first thing that a lot of teachers go to is, oh, it's just that they want attention. Yes. Right? Adults' attention is yes. what they want. And so sometimes you have to look deeper, do that functional behavior assessment or analysis and figure out what it is. Yes. Attention is not usually an underlying cause. Yeah. Um, but thinking about if you don't, if you've never heard function of behavior, Google that. Google ABCs of behavior, which is where it talks about the antecedent, the behavior, and the consequence. Because if you're going to develop any plan, mm-hmm. it needs to have these components. Yeah. And so when I teach, like, my teachers about the ABCs, I actually always start with behavior and yep. um, really teaching about what is behavior. And behavior is the actual observed behavior. And I always say, um, I saw this in a book and I can't remember which one, but it's like the dead man's rule that you have, like a dead man has to be able to do it if it's a behavior. Oh, that oh makes no, sense. dead man can't, can't do, do it. it. Dead man can't do it. I was it. like, wait, <laughs> lay there? Yeah, yeah. Lay there. So, um, so I would always have teachers and like I even talked with my teachers about like how you input a discipline referral or a behavior referral because, like, so much when I first started was, like, so-and-so is being disruptive. Okay, well, that doesn't give me very much information. But if you can be really specific and objective and say, so-and-so pounded his fist on the desk for four minutes, shoved a chair, yelled F you to the teacher, and then crawled out of the room and slammed the door. Oh, that's a hard day. That is much more specific and much more workable right. than so-and-so was disruptive. The other piece that I try to rewire, and remember, when you're working with your team on growing their expertise and their capacity and behavior, you're actually rewiring their understanding. Uh-huh. That's such so important. So, like, thinking about behavior is not always negative. Everything yes. we do is a behavior. So good. And you can get the behavior you want by changing the variables. It's yep. like a science experiment. Yep. And so, like, we always say, like, oh, we're having so many behaviors. Well, yeah, you're having behaviors all the time. Like, that's not. Yes. 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 We're having behaviors that we feel as though are not the desired behaviors. Mm -hmm. So that's what we need to start talking about. So really working with your staff to understand that they can control so much more than they think they can. Yep. Absolutely. So when you're thinking about behavior, thinking about something that a dead man can't do because a dead man could be disruptive, but... You don't think if you just walked outside and a dead man was there, that wouldn't be a disruption? I mean, Weekend at Bernie's, I guess, <laughs> shows your point. But I have literally never so, thought of it that way, and I'm not sure I want to again. It's like big in the it's a big in the BCBA world. I, I must have skipped through that. Um, but anyway, so you got the behavior, and then you've got to talk about the A and the C, right? The antecedent. So the antecedent is the things that are coming right before it. There's something called setting events, and those are the things you know when you have kids that walk in and you're like, oh, it's gonna be a bad day because mm-hmm. you can tell that their hair is disheveled, or you know that they stayed at grandma's last night, or whatever that setting event is that you can't control. And then there's the triggering antecedent. So there's that thing. That broke the camel's back. The straw that broke the camel's back. What happened right before that behavior? (laughs) And so this is the part that you have to really rewire staff. Because a lot of times they'll be like, he's done this perfectly fine 90 days Mm -hmm. of the week. And then today he acts like he doesn't know how to do this assignment. Okay. So we don't get to decide what kids can and can't do in the moment. Yep. We know that physically if they were 100% regulated, they could do it. But in this moment, they cannot. And so we have to really rework with staff to say, like, Remove yourself. You did not. You did not trigger that kid intentionally. Remove right. that. Right. And just focus on today. This assignment that he's been able to do independently for the last ninety, he was not able to do independently today, and that caused a behavior. Yep. Like just remove it. Yeah, you have to remove that yeah. <laughs> personal piece. Yeah. So then on the other side of the B, you've got the A, you've got the B, and then you've got the C. And so the C is consequence. What is happening after the behavior? And mm-hmm. I love, is it Kay Otten? Yeah. Um, 
how to reach and teach students with challenging uh-huh. behaviors. I love that she calls the consequence. What is the payoff? Mm-hmm. What is the student gaining or getting as a result of the behavior? Yep. Often when you start working with teams, they view consequences like I sent them to the recovery room. I sent them to the buddy room. So that's a them yeah, action. I took away recess. I did what, you know what that's I mean? That's a Whatever me action. Think of the consequence as a them action. For the student. What happened to them after their behavior? Mm-hmm. Did we evacuate the class? Mm-hmm. Right. What did that do? Yep. Did every kid turn and look at them? What did that do? Yep. Did the, kids start laughing? What did that do? Like, think of it from their perspective as opposed to what you yep. gave to them. The behavior is working for them in some way. Right. And so trying to figure out what's that payoff, what's happening after the behavior happens, and the consequence. That will help you find that function. Yes. Yes. Right. Woo! Okay. Sweet. Okay. So that's quite a bit. Not all of the scholars. <laughs> All of the scholar of human behavior. <laughs> no. This is a hard pot. It's too big. It's too big. But it's like one of our most asked questions. So Well, and we'll cover it over. We'll cover little tidbits here and there. Yeah. Yeah. But let's move on in a very nice sequential order. System. <laughs> no, it's time for systems. Okay, so literally this is where you need to spend all of your life in scholar and system when it comes to behavior. I mean, quite honestly, if you you can like have the best relationships with kids and you can train all of your teachers up on every single But you are literally yeah. one human. Yeah, you're one person and so you have to put systems in place yep. for managing behavior. And teachers don't teachers need support implementing the things they taught. It you will not learn how to change behavior at one PD session. No. So what are some of the systems you can put in place so that you can be in the classrooms coaching and not always responding? Yes. So I think one of the first things, since we're kind of talking about planning for behavior, especially tier three, have a behavior plan template. So create a blank behavior plan template. Yep, unless your district has one. Yeah, unless your district has one. Um, One that I really like, there's a book called The Behavior Code. They have a lot of different templates. Yep, we have one on our site. Yeah, we have one in our site, like in our principal portal that you can use. That we haven't launched, but you can use it soon. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it needs to be short and concise. And I always say one page if possible, maybe two Yes, and I like to use different colors Uh for different areas so that it's really important that every staff that works with this student knows how to use the plan. Often we just include the classroom teacher. We need to think about all of the adults that kid will come in contact with and a plan that they could understand. And then I always think of it from that teacher that has 400 kids on their roster as opposed to 20. Like, you cannot have a six-page document. Nope, they're not going to be able to do that for 25 kids. So it needs to be the same for every kid, not that what's in the plan, but the the template. Yep. And easy-to-find space. So what are some things you need to have in your template? Um, so I definitely think already talking about like those ABCs, right? Yep. We need to know what those concerning behaviors are. We need to know what happens typically before and what has happened in the past typically after the consequence. Some things that have helped my building is like, so I've changed the behavior form that I've used almost yearly. Oh, yeah. Because as you live with it, you learn how to revise it. And we recommend doing it collaboratively with counselor, social worker, all those people. But I like having a place on there for language. Yes. So when a student is a- escalated or you I, need to redirect. I call what it a script. D- yep. Like everyone says the exact same things and I would always highlight scripts in yep. yellow. Like these are the things you have to say. And then I, you obviously have to have a reteaching component, not yep. just like how are, what are the actual actions that we're going to take? And they should always include visuals. Visuals yep. can be more mature for older kids, but visuals are 
helpful for everyone. Yeah, especially when you're in that moment and you're you flipped your lid and you're not using right. You don't want to read. Brain. You don't want to read your plan. And a lot of times, kids who have extreme behaviors are struggling with reading. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I love to have, and this is something that we've grown into, is a consequence map. If you don't know what it is, mm-hmm. use it. But it gives. Google it now because it literally tells every adult responding, yes, <laughs> this is what happens. Like there's a kid, a picture of the student, <laughs> and he either makes, I, for some kids we call it green road, red road. You know, we either travel the green road and this is how we reinforce that way or we're traveling the red road and this is what's happening that way. And I, I like to think of it as like not saying the kid is happy and these are my choices to be mad or happy because that's not realistic, no. but my the student is angry Here's some choices you can make that are angry that I that I want. If you make these choices when you're angry, this is how every adult will respond. Yes. And I think, I honestly think that's the biggest piece it is. of all of behavior is once you can get every adult to Consistent. do the same thing, yep. that's when behavior changes. So some of the systems I've put in place for that, we... Um, we would get together as a team of people yes. who work with kids, and we would assign a, we call them the gatekeepers. Who's oh, the number smart. one responder? So if so-and-so calls out of room 17, I know exactly what student that is. I'm saying, Heil's going, because right. I am the gatekeeper of that plan. I know exactly the consistency, the language, so then I can And then coach. you're like the lead. I'm the lead. Yeah. And so that way... You know who's in charge. But that person can also say, I can't be there. Please bring them to care. That's part of their plan. Boom. Right. So smart. What? Let's talk to you. You said bring them to care. Yep. That's a pretty big system. Yes. <laughs> if you have the resources. And the more districts have it than not is what I feel like. I hope so. I, but... You might call it a focus room, a recovery room, a care room, calm down room. Yep. We've heard them called all different things, but um, it's a different space in your building um, to hopefully help kids get back on track. And we've both used them in a lot of different ways. We've used them as like a sensory room, like there's a sensory component to it. Um, we've also had like wrong reason, like sometimes you get older kids who make a really deliberate wrong reason choice and they need just some time away to do work. Right. Um, how else have you used them? Um, I finally got smart and found a way to kind of make them sectioned off with actual walls. Yes, um, because you know shelves. when <laughs> yep, you know when kids are mad, things are going to get tossed. And so we had a space for proactive. Yes, a separate space for my angry emotions that needed to be big. We had a punching bag. Yep. Uh, one of those big. My favorite was there was a unicorn and some kid really just loved to wrestle that unicorn yep. when he was mad. Yep. Um, and then we had a problem-solving room where kids could go and work out conflict or they could go and just be alone yep. to work through stuff. So the more separate spaces that have sturdy structures, structures yeah, um, the more kids you'll be able to work with at a time. Yeah. We did at one point two stations, particularly for our students who... Um, some of their behaviors we felt like came from like sensory needs. And so we would have like a proprioceptive station, yep. you know, to like go through all those three sensory areas to try to get back regulated as much as possible. Right. And when you have students on plans, the other thing that we just started this um, in my final year at the building I was at, we would hang all of the plans on the wall yes. of the room. And so any adult that brought a student in found their folder opened it up, and we had the consequence maps, the plans, so that everyone could work on intervening consistently. So little things like that go a very long way in empowering your team. The other thing to think about is you really want kids to start learning these skills in the classroom. So the more that people can push into the room yes, and help... Proactively. Co- yep. <laughs> 
And we're talking the hardest kids here, the kids on plans. Like, it's very tempting to pull them out and teach them those skills, which sometimes you have to for safety. But at the end of the day, we also have to set them up to know we want you to be able to use this strategy in your room. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out how. Yep. And so having some sort of a rotation or maybe it's the lead of that plan, like you had talked about, the gatekeeper is the one that is pushing in with that student. Um, But you have to have you have to build in time and build in structures that somebody is helping the students in their classroom with the skills that they're supposed to be learning. And the final thing I'll say system wise is. Make a data system that is easy for teachers to use. Oh, my gosh. So it doesn't have, matter about anybody else. It has to be easy for the teacher. 100%. Or it won't happen. And we would literally sometimes just measure one thing in the yep. plan. Yep. Like, yeah. did they ask for help? Yes, no. How many yep. times? One, two, three, yep. four yeses. One, two, three, five noes. I had a teacher who she would put masking tape on yep. her arm, and she would just, like, for baseline data, she would just tally how often the student tried to r- tried to run. Right. <laughs> right? Or whatever you're, you're tracking. And the, la- the only thing I'll say about data is sometimes teachers feel like they have to write novels, and that is mentally exhausting for the teacher, and it's yeah. not helpful. Anecdotal no. notes really aren't helpful. We, we just, you need a way to measure your plan. And it doesn't need working. to be scientific. Yeah. Masking tape on your arm. <laughs> That'll do. Okay, we've been talking for a while. We've been talking forever. What's your soul say about... This is my big one. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot because we both have a soft spot. And and ultimately, as a principal, I feel like those the kids who are sometimes the hardest to love, you spend the most time with them as the principal, right? Like you become super close with them and their families. Yep, yep. I think one of the one of the best pieces of advice that I can have is to follow up with everyone after a hard day. Oh yeah. To follow up with the adults, to follow up with the parent, to follow up with the student. That's a good one. Um, and just make sure that you're wrapping that around. I know sometimes, and we are talking about crisis on a different day, but like when I've had to even physically support a student in the past, like I need to make sure that we have reconnected. Yes. And that I've helped that student know that I am still there for them. Um, and the same goes for the adults. And my thing is, I want to talk out loud why I did the things I did for the yep. adult to hear. Yep. I want them to know why I chose to leave the student in the classroom instead of take them with me when they called for help. Yep. Because sometimes they can feel like that's not supporting. And I want them to know I had a conscious reason and here's why. Yep. Or this is why I sent the student home today. This is why I didn't send the student home today. Like I want them... I. I have reasons for what I do, and it helps grow their capacity when I talk that out loud. Yep. I always told staff, too, that if you ever have any questions about why I make a decision, um, my goal is to always always get you that information. But let's be real. Sometimes the day happens, and right. sometimes you don't get to that person maybe before they leave or whatever. Right. And so I always said, please come and ask me. I would much rather you come and ask me why XYZ happened than talk to your grade-level partner and complain about a decision that I made. And so, and if you're upset with the decision I made, let's talk through it. And we human teachers are human, and sometimes they will be frustrated with an outcome and inadvertently make the day harder for the student. And so we have to be able to clear the 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 muckiness between adults because emotion like behavior is emotional, man. It's so emotional. And we have to be willing to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to hear teachers vent to us yeah. about our decisions, about the frustrations they're feeling, and then we need to be able to help them move forward. Yep. That's and our job. Yep. 
And we can model that too, because sometimes we'll be frustrated and sometimes we don't have the answers and sometimes everything we try also doesn't work. Yep. And and it's okay to have those conversations and say, I, I get it. <laughs> right. And on that note, the other thing is, is you have to, at the end of the day, it's your job to be the advocate for the student. And you know the teacher loves that student, but sometimes they're not in a good place. Yep. And so you have to be able to have those hard conversations and say, I mean, and I've had to do this with adults in, in my buildings before and say like, are you going to be the adult they, that they need you to be for the rest of this year? Or do yep. I need to make some harder decisions? Because I need you to be a different adult for this kid right now. And that's okay. Yeah. It's not easy to hear. Nope. But your job's to be there for the kid. Your job's also to be there for the grown-up. And sometimes right. you have to make hard decisions and have hard conversations. Yeah. So from the desk of the modern principal. Yeah, we're ready for bed, aren't we? Yep. It's the person that makes the difference, not the plan, from Michael Morpugo. Way to read that. <laughs> it is always the person that makes the difference, not the plan. That's all we have for today. Thanks for joining us. Please be sure to check out themodernprincipal.com. Check us out on Instagram at The Modern Principal. And check out Just Right Reader. Bye.